Dog Days of Podcasting, Day 27, Sunday, August 30th, 2020. Today's topics, typhus, also how bacteria works. I'm actually done with my original list of pandemics and epidemics. To do these episodes, I relied on about five websites that listed the biggest or most important epidemics or pandemics in history. However, some pathogens didn't make these lists, even if they've killed hundreds of thousands or millions of people. I don't really know why. So for the next few days, we'll explore some of these. Note, I've never defined a pathogen, not even in my introductory episode. It's simply a microorganism that can cause disease. It's really what this whole series of episodes is about. The first of these big killers is typhus. Typhus, also known as typhus fever, comes in three types spread by three different bacteria. Epidemic typhus, spread by body lice, scrub typhus, spread by chiggers, and murine typhus, spread by fleas. It appears that epidemic typhus is the worst of the three, and the CDC, the CDC states that it's responsible for millions of deaths in previous centuries. If so, it's one of the bigger killers in history. Fortunately, it's rare now. The symptoms of epidemic type typhus, which I'm mainly going to focus on, begin within two weeks after contact with infected body lice. Signs and symptoms may include fever and chills, headache, rapid breathing, body and muscle aches, rash, cough, nausea, vomiting, and confusion. Note, while typhoid means typhus-like, typhoid is a distinct disease due to a different bacterium. I do think people mix them up sometimes, though. Since I have not yet talked about this, I thought it was a good time to go over how bacteria cause damage or death upon infection. I spent three whole episodes on viruses, but bacteria have kind of gotten a short Thrift, short shrift, short thrift, what's that phrase? Short thrift, short shrift, short, whatever. Uh, I haven't talked about it enough. There are various mechanisms that bacteria use to cause damage or how they cause damage. It may not be um, on purpose. A lot of bacterial damage is accidental. It's not like it's their, they wanted to do it. It just happens. Anyway, there is the direct mechanism once pathogens attach to host cells, they can cause damage directly as the pathogens use the host cell for nutrients and produce waste products. For example, as the police siren goes by, for example, Streptococcus mutans, a component of dental plaque, metabolizes dietary sugar and produces acid as a waste product. The acid decalcifies the tooth surface to cause dental caries. There's the toxin mechanism. Exotoxins are toxins within the bacteria that are, that are secreted. Cholera does this. We talked about that in episode 14. Endotoxins are an integral part of the bacteria, but can be released when bacteria die and fall apart, which is why after antibiotic treatment, symptoms can worsen at first as the bacteria are killed and they release their endotoxins. There's also an indirect mechanism. An excessive or inappropriate immune response 
triggered by an infection may, ha may damage host cells. And finally, a crowding mechanism. Sometimes bacteria multiply so rapidly they crowd out, crowd out host tissues and disrupt normal function. Okay, back to typhus. Epidemic typhus is caused by the bacterium Rickettsia proozeki. Pro I'm sure I say that wrong. It is an obligate intracellular parasite, meaning it they cannot produce outside of their host cell, meaning that the parasite's reproduction is entirely reliant on intracellular resources. In this sense, it acts like a virus, although remember that bacteria grow by dividing. Viruses have to replicate themselves. Treatment of typhus involves antibiotics such as doxycycline. I'm finding conflicting data, even within Wikipedia, on whether or not a typhus vaccine exists. Oddly, in two places I read there was, there was a vaccine. In two others, including the CDC website, it said there's no vaccine. I think some places are confusing typhoid vaccines, which do exist, with typhus vaccines. My best guess is that this is the case. There are typhus vaccines, but they are not commercially available, which is a little confusing to me. I'm not sure why they wouldn't be. In any case, one typhus vaccine consists of formaldehyde inactivated Rickettsia prowazeki. We've heard of using formaldehyde for this purpose before, episode 19. For this vaccine, two doses are injected four weeks apart. Booster doses are required every six to 12 months. That sounds like a lot of effort and maybe that's why it's not commercially available yet. Because epidemic typhus spreads via lice, it was more likely to flare up in dirty, crowded conditions, on ships, in prisons or concentration camps, or during war. There are a number of outbreaks and epidemics that have occurred uh, during, in history. I will list just some of them. In episode 3, we talked about the plague of Athens in 430 BC, for which the pathogen hasn't been proven. Typhus is a candidate, along with typhoid and Ebola. The first reliable description of the disease appears in 1489 AD during the Spanish siege of Baza against the Moors during the War of Granada, 1482 to 1492. These accounts include descriptions of fever, red spots over arms, back and chest, attention deficit, progressing to delirium, and gangrenous sores and the associated smell of rotting flesh. During the siege, the Spaniards lost 3,000 men to enemy action, but an additional 17,000 died of typhus. In 1528, the French lost 18,000 troops in Italy and lost supremacy in Italy to the Spanish. In 1542, 30,000 soldiers died of typhus while fighting the Ottomans in the Balkans. During the Thirty Years' War, 1618 to 1648, about 8 million Germans were killed by bubonic plague and typhus. I don't know what the breakdown is, though. In 1812, possibly, hundred, possibly hundreds of thousands of French soldiers died of typhus under Napoleon during their retreat from Moscow. It's been suggested that more military personnel were killed from 1500 to 1914 by typhus than from military action. I'm getting a major new respect for typhus right now. 
In the United States, a typhus epidemic broke out in Philadelphia in 1837. In 1843, it killed the son of Franklin Pierce, 14th president of the United States in New Hampshire. Several epidemics occurred in Baltimore, Memphis, and Washington, D.C. between 1865 and 1873. Typhus was also a significant killer during the U.S. Civil War, although typhoid fever was more prevalent. During World War I, typhus epidemics killed more than 150,000 in Serbia. There were about 25 million infections and 3 million deaths from epidemic typhus in Russia from 1918 to 1922. During World War II, typhus struck the German army during the invasion of Russia in 1941. In 1942 and 1943, typhus hit French, North Africa, Egypt, and Iran particularly hard. Thousands of prisoners held in appalling conditions in German concentration and death camps such as Auschwitz, Theresienstadt, I'm sure I said that wrong, Theresienstadt, and Bergen-Belsen also died of typhus during World War II. Even larger epidemics in the post-war chaos of Europe were only averted by the widespread use of the newly discovered DDT to kill the lice on millions of refugees and displaced persons. I believe they used DDT in World War II as well. There were actually a few cases of typhus in Los Angeles in 2018. I'm not sure how that got there. Side note, typhus was one of more than a dozen agents that the U.S. researched as potential biological weapons before President Nixon suspended all non-defensive aspects of the U.S. Biological Weapons Program in 1969. Another side note, Typhus has appeared in literature and TV, most notably Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre, Vladimir, Vladimir Nabokov's there you go, Nabokov's Lolita, Doctor Zhivago by Boris Pasternak, and on the Little House on the Prairie TV show. Finally, about the possibly the most famous person who died of typhus. Can you think of who that is? most famous person ever, probably. Well, although not proven, Anne Frank and her sister Margot likely died of typhus at the Bergen-Belsen Nazi concentration camp. Anne Frank was only 15 years old. A description of her final days is as follows. Anne Frank was briefly reunited with two friends at the camp. Both friends survived the war. They described Anne as bald, emaciated, and shivering. Her sister Margo was severely ill. Anne told them she believed her parents were dead, and for that reason, she did not wish to live any longer. 17,000 prisoners died of typhus at that camp in early 1945. Another survivor said, her bed, her bed was around the corner for me. She was delirious, terrible, burning up, adding that she had brought Anne water to wash. The people were dying like flies in the hundreds. Reports used to come in, 500 people who died. Oh, 300? We said, thank God, only 300. Witnesses later testified Margot fell from her bunk in her weakened state and was killed by the shock. Anne died a few days after Margot. They likely died in February or March 1945. The camp was liberated in April. Anne Frank's final diary entry from her hiding place in Amsterdam 
on August 1st, 1944 said, as I've told you many times, I'm split in two. One side contains my exuberant cheerfulness, my flippancy, my joy in life, and above all, my ability to appreciate the lighter side of things. By that, I mean not finding anything wrong with flirtations, a kiss, an embrace, an off-color joke. This side of me is usually lying in wait to ambush the other one, which is much purer, deeper, and finer. Talk to you tomorrow.